Hello and welcome back, hopefully. Two bits of content in one week. What on earth is going on? Don't worry, you haven't hit your head, gone into a coma and missed a week of your life. Well, you haven't, have you, John Wall? I am. I might have. Oh, we could have done, to be honest. We've been here a long time now doing this. <laughs> um, before I go any further, for those of you who haven't yet been harassed down your ear canals, I'm Jordan, aka The Film Fella, and with me, in the very spirit of the film we are about to talk about, is my stump buddy bromance bestie, John Wall. Hello, all. <laughs> Do you think you make a good stunt man? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Any reason why? Not very good at stunts. Fair enough. I thought you'd be all for that. But anyway. Um... <laughs> I can't. You can. Come on. I'm not very good at stunts, Shorty. <laughs> This is our new reformatted podcasting service. So each week, or most weeks, hopefully, we'll be providing you with not only the regular news, TV, and general chit-chat where I sort of bore Johnny to death um, episodes that you used to, but also more digestible review episodes in a series that we like to call Be Right or Proper Shite Reviews. You said we there. We? <laughs> you said we as in like me and you. What, as in that you don't like to call it this? <laughs> is that what you're suggesting? That is 100% what I'm suggesting. This is top quality content. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> so, without further ado, this week's episode is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, big film that's come out this past week. We watched it back last Tuesday. We're recording it now. Should be fun. So let's saddle up and get on with the show. Yeehaw! <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I ruined you, yeehaw. Do it again. Yeah. So let's saddle up and get on with the show. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! <laughs> <laughs> Ride em, cowboy. Transition. So, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a film about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> so, to briefly summarise for those that were, if you've seen a trailer, a bit confused, or just didn't really understand any of what we've just been talking about, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a film starring Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, our Leo. <laughs> um, it's got the man, the myth, the legend, Brad Pitt. Um, it's also starring Margot Robbie and a plethora of other people. I like using plethora on this podcast. <laughs> you love that word. <laughs> plethora. Um, but yeah, it is a Quentin Tarantino film. It mm. is his penultimate one. He said that he's only ever going to make ten films. So we're up to number nine. Um, and it's basically his love letter to the 60s. So for whatever reason, he, with him being a, you know, a top director, I guess, he's got an affinity to 1960s film, lifestyle, culture, and he's obviously wanted to go ahead and show you his vision of the 60s in only the way that Quentin Tarantino could. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a weird film in the sense that it's got 
real-life, actual characters. There's people that actually existed, or do exist, or did exist within this film. And then the only two exceptions to that is obviously Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Rick Dalton, and Brad Pitt's character, Cliff Booth, who are fictitious characters. Um, Rick Dalton is a sort of... TV actor from the 1950s. He had a really good career. I think he was on a program called Bounty Law. He was like a cowboy, um, just just one of those general cowboy TV shows where he'd turn up, he'd get the bad guy, he'd kill him, be all cool and westerny. And he had a really successful career. And then Cliff Booth, um, the Brad, Brad Pitt's character, was his stunt double. Um, the film obviously set. 10 or so years after his career. He's down on his luck. He's finding it hard to get roles. He's in films where he plays the heavy, so he's usually a villainous character. And it's more like a guest star appearance, like a cameo starring Rick Dalton. Um, He hasn't got that fame that he used to... People used to recognise him on the street, but they don't anymore. He's down on his luck. Um, He turned to a bit of a life of sort of alcoholism and smoking cigarettes and... Just not having a good time, is he really? Is that, that, I'm getting this about right. Smoking huh? those cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's still really good friends with um, Cliff, who lives in the sort of like a polar opposite scenario. Um, Rick lives in like the Hollywood Hills. Cliff lives in a trailer next to a outdoor film, like a cinema, like the the driving, the driving. That's what I'm going for. Um, other with characters his, with in his this. Dog. What? With his dog. With his dog. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, There's Margot Robbie's character in it who doesn't say quite a lot to begin with, but she's playing the real live person, Sharon Tate. Um, The one thing that I will say before we do eventually get into spoilers is that if you don't know anything about Charles Manson, the Manson murders, the, the... the Tate murders. Just go on Wikipedia and have a quick, quick look. Do a little bit of research because when you go into this film, it will a hundred percent make more sense to you. As John Wall did find out. <laughs> so then um, I had a very the good sort of opinion of this film coming out of it because I did know a little bit about Charles Manson. Not a right lot, but enough to understand what was going on and that Sharon Tate was a real person. Johnny had a bit of the bad in the sense that. He came out and you were very confused. Well, he was a confused boy for about ten minutes. I, I enjoyed it, but I just I did I thought it was my least favorite Tarantino film. But, but then, then you've said to me, you have done some research. Yeah, and I did the research and it, it all makes a lot more sense. So <laughs> top tip: do a do the teeniest bit of research before you go into this film, and then just sticking with this really weird joke that I've made of the good, the bad, the ugly. There's a lot of feet in this film. There is so many bare feet, but we'll get to that. Um, the one thing that I will say before we do go into spoilers is that QT, as I'm going to call him, has made me watch a western again. So after the Hateful Eight, which I wasn't a fan of. I don't normally like westerns, but he made a kind of watchable one that was a film within a film. So so that in itself was quite mm. enjoyable. Um, it's a good film overall, but it's a slow burner. Is there anything you want to add in the non-spoilery section of this review, John Wall, before we get into the meat and potatoes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Let's get into um, I don't eat meat. Is it all gravy? Oh, he doesn't eat meat. <laughs> Not anymore. So what if you just the potatoes and the potatoes for you? Yeah. And the potatoes. all non-beef fat gravy. Let's get into the taters. <laughs> into those taters. So, spoilers. 
Um, this isn't really a spoiler. You've you checked the notes before this episode, and you was like, "That's not a spoiler." But I just thought we'd mention it in here for those that didn't know. So, any fans of Riverdale, and I think I, I could be wrong. I'm probably getting this wrong anyway, but 90210, but the original. Luke Perry, um, so he plays Archie's dad in Riverdale, is probably the most notable one, the series on Netflix. Um, he obviously passed away a few months back. This was the last role that he was in, last film role. He's in a very small cameo role. He does a pretty good job, doesn't he? He's, he's in, so obviously we're in spoiler territory now, but he's obviously in a scene involving DiCaprio playing his heavy character, in one of these films that he's being cast in on one of these TV shows um, and obviously DiCaprio's the bad guy and Luke Perry walks in and tries to get him to hand over the hostage. It's it's pretty cool. It made me a little bit sad because obviously you know that he's, he's gone now and he was a pretty solid actor. So R.I.P. Luke Perry. Um, but now we'll move into the actual spoilers. So this film is just crazy. I, I, I don't know if this next bit that I'm going to mention you fully saw because I know that you did go to the toilet around this point yeah. um, but there's the flashback scene explaining Brad Pitt's character a little bit more um, in a bit more depth and I just had to write a note down while watching this film because it's brilliant so he goes and he, he basically does odd jobs for for DiCaprio's character because they're still friends but he doesn't really need the stunt actor anymore also for some reason Hollywood has shunned Cliff and apparently that reason is there's a rumour going around Hollywood that he murdered his wife so there's this bit where he goes back in his car and the one thing that I will say about this film is there is a lot of lingering shots of people just driving around I don't know why would you agree there's a lot yeah. there's a lot of just look at that 60s sign over there or that bit of advertising that looks like it's from the 60s. I think, I think Tarantino got a bit carried away. No one kind of reeled him in and went, look, come on, let's just just move on with this film. A bit like this bit that I'm getting at now. <laughs> so <laughs> He goes around to his house to fix his TV aerial. He's fixing it, and then he remembers a comment from someone when he'd left the set about him murdering his wife, and it goes into a flashback. And I think this is the point where you, John Wall, have gone to the toilet. And it shows him on a boat with a spear gun, just getting out of the water. He must have caught some fish or something like that. And his wife's just nattering away at him. Like, she's just going, oh, they all said I shouldn't have married you, and blah, 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 blah. And she's been really nasty to him while she's, like, sunbathing. And he's got, like, the harpoon pointing at her. Doesn't show anything else. It just moves on to the next <laughs> bit of his flashback. I did, did miss that. Did you miss that bit? I did. I thought you did, so I thought I'd add it into here. So it leaves it open to... He may have killed his wife, but we don't know. It could have been a Hollywood rumour. He could have just got a divorce, or he did shoot her and just dump her over the side of this boat. But towards the end of this film, it heavily implies that he might be a bit psychotic. So he could have done it, but we will get to the end in a bit. During that flashback, did you see the bit where he's fighting Bruce Lee? I did, yes. Yes, so that the is the, the next film. bit. So it's got Kurt Russell's in it. I even I forgot, but Kurt Russell's in it. I love Kurt Russell. He's brilliant. But he is the guy, was the last guy that, that tried to keep Brad Pitt on a set, even though his wife believed that he was a murderer and didn't want all to do with him. So DiCaprio's character, Rick Dalton, convinces him to use him like in wardrobe. So he's sat there and Bruce Lee is basically saying that he could beat up anyone and that no one's as good as he is. And it's a very different portrayal of what probably the real life version of Bruce Lee is this is Tarantino basically taking the piss a little bit like in a way just, just going at him I mean yeah, what did you much. think he, that, that's exactly what he did he sort of calls him like a, like he makes him say that Pitt's character says that it's all just dance moves and 
None of it's real. Obviously, it's really offensive. I think, actually, in real life, his daughter, after this film has come out, has not been that impressed with how Bruce Lee's been portrayed, which is a bit awkward. Um, but obviously, it's a film. It's all in jest. But anyway, the bits with Bruce Lee, where he's like, I can beat up Muhammad Ali, and then Pitt just, just beats him up. <laughs> throws him into a car. throws him into that car, doesn't he? <laughs> and then that's how he never gets a job again in Hollywood, because... Kurt Russell's wife basically kicks him off set because one, she thinks that he's a wife murderer and two, he just threw Bruce Lee into her car. <laughs> so I thought it was brilliant. Um, there's a few other people. like there's, there's a guy that, I don't know the name of the actor, I don't know the name of the actor, the guy that plays Bruce Lee either, sadly. I should really look into this. There's like Steve McQueen as well. Um, the guy who plays Steve McQueen is the guy from Homeland. I've not seen it, so I'm not sure. Oh. <laughs> no, if if you know more than me, you go. <laughs> I don't know the actor, but I know he's you know he's in like he's the main guy in like the first season of Homeland. Um, he's in other things. Okay, he's an actor. He's, in he's an actor. He's in other things. He's an actor playing an actor in this film as well. It's exception again. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember. I also thought the scenes where Rick's having that crisis where he's on the set of the film that that Brad Pitt's dropped him off at after he's had the flashback bit where he's sat talking to the little girl actress and she's going on about all the things that we have in modern acting now like the method acting and like I only want to be called my character and kind of taking pity on him because he's he's clearly lost it he just he he can't hold himself together at all really and he's a bit confused as to how she's acting I thought that was really meta and really funny how did that Um, but then there is that bit later on after the Luke Perry bit where she actually does say to him oh that was the best acting ever but it's hard to tell and then he cries and then he cries but it's hard to tell whether she's being genuine or she's just saying it because of the way that she was before which I think is just really clever I, I really enjoyed that I don't know what, what are your thoughts do you think that was a good section of the film where he's having that crisis of whether he's good or not anymore it's, it's funny because she's just, she's really sassy, isn't she? Yeah. And she's just sat there giving him loads of shit. <laughs> and then um, he, get, he starts reading the book, doesn't he? Yeah. He starts telling her about the book and then realises that it's pretty much his life. Yeah, describing like him. <laughs> and then she just goes, oh, he, he calls a sweetheart or something, doesn't he? And he goes... And she don't, don't like it. Me. She says, I know you're sad, so I'm not going to... I'm not going to say that I don't like calling me sweetheart or something. Yeah, she's like, she's basically getting that it's like condescending, even though he calls her like pumpkin or something like that, doesn't pumpkin, it? Pumpkin, that's yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I just really enjoyed that. Again, it's just Tarantino being really clever, it, like subverting things, using that technique of him reading that book and describing the character, but he realises the reason that he's enjoying the book is because he's actually reading about himself. It's like how his how his star has fallen and he's, he's not quite as good as he used to be and he's getting older and, you know, tells her that she has to, like, live it while she can or whatever. And obviously, she's too young to understand it. Um, based on this, I found out that Rick Dalton, so DiCaprio's character, is actually based on an actor at the time. I don't know who, but apparently he's loosely based on a 60s actor that actually had these same sort of issues internally and committed suicide because of it. So again, it's Tarantino kind of like using that as inspiration within his character. And I have to say that, I mean... I, do I have to say it all? But DiCaprio is a really good fucking actor. <laughs> he, he nails this. What do you think? Do you think it's a, he, he's good in this role? Yeah, he is good. And I, I, get, I think Pitt as well. I, th- I think a lot of the casting for it is solid. I mean, you've even got Al Pacino. I completely forgot 
I haven't put him in the notes at all, but Al Pacino just being... He's starting it long, isn't he? He's only in it for about he, 10 minutes. At the beginning, where he basically points out to him that your career's going down <laughs> yeah. the pan. He, like, he the, wants him the to most... star in Italian westerns, doesn't he? Yeah, spaghetti westerns. Spaghetti he westerns. Yeah. Um, but he, he refuses to do them because like, they're Italian movies and he knows deep down that that is the lowest of the low. But then he does them anyway. But that makes him a lot of money and kind of brings him back in. He gets him his wife and stuff. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting that he's based on an actual real-life person. And riffing kind of off of that, the dynamism, the duo of his character and Brad Pitt's character is apparently based on Burt Reynolds and his stunt actor and like their relationship. So they've got this very like bromance kind of thing going on. Um, I really enjoyed that. I think there were bits where we mean you were just laughing during the film. There's just just normal conversations and stuff that they have with each other, like where they you know he's having a beer or I mean you've just mentioned you mentioned the dog earlier. I think this is your time to shout. You you love the dog scenes. It's because the dog's brilliant. It is. It's a. It's, it's just, like it's a pit bull. It's just a big pit bull. Yeah. yeah. And it's like the most well-behaved, like... <laughs> because he just keeps, like, he gets... Brad Pitt goes back to his trailer and he just pulls out those cans, like, massive cans of dog meat and he just kind of, like, drops it. And one's, like, raccoon flavour and the other one's, like, rat flavour or something like that. And he just, he just, he just like, drops it into the bowl or from, like, um, from, like, normal height. <laughs> it just... Just into the bowl. It, it, the comic timing of that scene, it's a scene of, like, nothing. It's just showing you that his character is nowhere near where DiCaprio's character is in terms of they've got a good relationship but the polar opposites on the scale of wealth and the jobs that they've both got still um but yeah I really enjoyed that as well where he's making the mac and cheese he just sits and eats it out of the of the pan (laughs) with his can of beers (laughs) the ending of this film is worth all of the slow burn like all of it it was this is one of the notes that I literally made as I walked out I loved it, and then obviously after I explained things to you, it kind of clicked, and then you were like, oh, I, you probably got that same feeling as well, that the whole dragging out of... It's basically nothing. It's a film of almost nothing with a very loose thread of a plot, and it's obviously following Sharon Tate, and the whole way through, you won't have been having this feeling until you, you found out after, but during the film, I knew that she's someone that in real life got murdered by the Manson family. So I'm sat there thinking, she's going to die soon, she's going to die soon. Oh, oh no, when when they turn up at the street, and he tells them, well, yeah, fuck off, get away, yeah, he's like banging on the car and stuff, I was like, DiCaprio's going to die, and then they're going to go up and kill her, and that's going to be the end, and it's just going to be really graphic. Obviously, that is completely flipped on its head, like <laughs> fully, fully flipped on its head, but the slow burn is worth it for the, the last 15, 20 minutes of this film, because it's just solid Tarantino at that point. Um, so, obviously, Pitt's character goes out and decides to have the acid cigarette that he'd bought off of one of the hippies, like, on the street, like, six months before. He goes off and walks his dog. Um, DiCaprio's out, like, having a drink and remembering his lines at swimming pool, and his wife, who's the Italian wife that he married from his spaghetti western days, is jet-lagged and asleep. And it's doing the whole thing of explaining where the Tate family were on the night of the actual date of the murders, what those two were doing. So they were both getting pissed, weren't they? Because they, they weren't going to be working together anymore because he couldn't afford to keep him around as his like, handyman whilst he's now got a wife and he's still got some films that he's going to do and stuff. The Manson family that were at the ranch previous obviously turn up. He's had a run-in with them before. And then absolute chaos. It's just mad. What 
what, what, what did you think of, of the ending of this film? Because I just thought it was brilliant. It makes everything. Yeah, it was brilliant. Like, obviously, before the film, I'd not done any research, so I was a bit confused by all of it. But at the end, it just kind of fucking... It was just really good. It's just... Everything just happened at once. If, if When he throws a can at her head. That is it. <laughs> that is the most brutal dog food can to the face that I think anyone has ever got. Bear in mind that he's like high on an acid cigarette as well. Like So he's like not even fully with it. He just like, starts whacking her head against the phone as well. Yeah. Well, just everything. Like the glass table. Literally like... The special effects for that as well. Her face is just mush. It's then, just mush and teeth and blood. And then Leo brings out a flamethrower <laughs> that, that he mentions like earlier on in the film that he's got. It's with Pacino at the beginning yeah. when they're talking about all but the films. It, it's, make, in. it's making it look as if he doesn't know how to use it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But then he just pulls it out and it just burns her. <laughs> When she's, she's already pretty much she's dead. In a pool, she's already drowning in the pool, like almost dead. Like she's been mauled to death by Pitt's dog. Who's a very good boy, by the way. It's he girl, just sets it? his dog. It's a girl. Dog's a girl. Is it a girl? I'm sure it's a girl. My apologies. It probably is. Yes, I think it is, actually. I think, is it called Brandy or something like that? Things like that. Yeah, but it perfectly parallels Pitt's character. Because obviously you've got that setup of maybe he killed his wife. So maybe he's a bit psychotic. And obviously he's living in complete squalor. He's happy with all that. So there is that kind of psychopath edge to him. You've then also got DiCaprio, who it plants that seed that he's got the flamethrower at the beginning. I mean, you don't think that he's still got it, but there's a reason that that whole scene is shown. And it's just for that payoff. It's just for him to come out and torture just completely in the pool. I loved it. I think me and you burst out laughing at that point because he just disappears into the tool shed and you think he's obviously just running away because she's fallen in with a knife. But for him to come out with that on, I think me and you were just pissing ourselves. I think the, the bloke next to us as well was just wetting himself. It's brilliant. It's worth it. And then obviously the whole fight where he just annihilates the rest of the Manson family in the house, like pit just destroy he gets stabbed in the leg smashes her head against just, all it's that that's, it's that's laughing at it doesn't it yeah because he's still high he's just like ah. <laughs> and then when he gets taken away in the ambulance at the end he's just like yeah I'm fine I'll be okay you just go back to your wife but he just like goes he's <laughs> got like, a knife hanging out of his leg and it ends obviously this is this is Quentin Tarantino doing revisionist history Again, so like what he did in Glorious Bastards, where Hitler gets killed in the cinema, um, in in the theater, and the the killing there. This is his version of he saved a real life actress within his film by saving Sharon Tate. So before the Manson family even got up to the house next door where she lives, Brad Pitt killed them all. <laughs> he just annihilates them all. <laughs> He saved Sharon Tate, and I thought that was the yeah, most well, they, amazing they come, thing about this film. They come down at the end, don't they, and invite him in? Yeah, and it's that, that presumably saves his career. It's Roman Polanski, who was a really famous director during that period. I think he was also a paedophile. I haven't done much research he, into yeah, him after. I, I, no, I've researched this recently. So he's not he's, a great guy either. He's not there. He's on holiday he's during on holiday, this point. Yeah. But he was the director that it's sort of implying that Sharon Tate was an up-and-coming star, he was an up-and-coming director, Rick Dalton was near them, but was not near them in the sense of he was never going to get back into that fame. But by chance of fate of how Tarantino set this film up, he saves his lead actor's career in the film and Sharon Tate at the same time. It, it's brilliant. I just loved it. Um, I also love that, I mean, you... I, Again, you probably didn't know, but 
when right at the beginning Sharon takes in a house, the dodgy bloke comes in with the long hair and they're like, who's that guy outside? That's Charles Manson. Like he visited the house several times thinking it was someone else's before he then sent the Manson family the the uh, the cult that he'd sort of started, the hippie you cult, to go kill them. I read that he, um, Charles Manson, the reason why he wanted to kill someone is because the people that were in that house before them turned him down for a music deal or something. Right. And they slated him. So then he, that's why he sent people to that house in the first place. Right. Okay. Because it, it, it's just a mad cult. It's a crazy hippie cult that started in the 60s. I think he died two years ago. He's been in prison like yeah, all this did. time. But <laughs> again, watching the film, and in my mind, because I knew about some of this, I was like, Sharon Tate's going to die. Sharon Tate's going to die. Sharon Tate's going to die. He planted Charles Manson in the film. You never fucking see him again. <laughs> it's just, it's like the biggest fake out that I've seen in any film in recent years. He just never returns. I don't think you ever see him again. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence as to whether... He comes in, doesn't he, and says, who, oh, who lives there? Yeah. Because he's, um, he's looking for the people that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Music, which is what happened people. in real life. It's exactly a play for play of what, what happened in real life, what's been recorded as evidence for that. I can't... Trying to think back now, was that Tarantino... That played Charles Manson? Yeah. No. No. No, I, I've, um, I, ch- I looked at it over there on IMDb. Is it's, he in this? I, ca- I didn't look for him in there. Because I couldn't but... see him in the film at all, and I was trying my hardest, because he, he usually it's... pops up in some of his films, not all the time, but sometimes. Might have to rewatch this in the future and see if we can find him. Um, but before we move on to final, final thoughts on this film, The Feet. Ugh. The Feet. There is so many bare feet in this film you say that it features too many feet oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're pl- it here this there is, is a there is a plethora of feet oh you put your foot in this one <laughs> <laughs> no. but yeah uh, a- you're apparently you're towing me lad you're towing behind oh no I'm going to turn the line now and move on to this but apparently Tarantino over the past decade it's come out that he, he may have a teeny tiny foot fetish and going through all of his films, there's a lot of films where feet are prevalent. So I think when you first see Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction, you see her from the feet upwards. And in uh, Kill Bill, you see her feet. Wheel your big toe. Yeah. So there's, there's feet constantly in his films. And then to top this off, he literally just thought everyone knows now, so fuck it. <laughs> I'm just going to put feet everywhere. There's the, the hippie that he picks up when he goes to the ranch and when Brad Pitt first starts his kind of antagonistic sort of approach with the, the Manson family where he then gets his revenge later on in the film. Um, she's got a feet and she purposely like puts them on the glass and like she's moving her feet on the glass. It's meant to be all foot fetishy, I guess. Sharon Tate, so Margot Robbie's character, goes to the cinema to watch herself, puts her feet on the front seat in front of her and it wiggling her toes and you can kind of see her point of view but with her feet in. There's all the feet at the ranch with all the other hippies. There's just feet everywhere. There's literally feet everywhere. Is there anything else we want to talk about other than feet? <laughs> Are we moving on? We'll move on. <laughs> Transition! So, final thoughts. And in a section that I'm going to keep calling as, is it chuffing good or is it a bluffing dud? You're a bluffing dud. <laughs> <laughs> I, based on... Other Tarantino films I've seen, and I haven't seen all of them. I do need to see Death Race, and I need to see Jackie Brown. I've seen both of the other Death ones. Death Race isn't a Tarantino film. It is, isn't it? It's Rodriguez, isn't it? What's the one 
I think he might help. I think he might have wrote some of it, but oh, it's not. Um, it's not an actual Tarantino film. I'm sure, it's a Rodriguez. It could be. I'm sure he's attached to one of them though. Oh, he's, he's attached to it. He's attached to most of, most of Rodriguez films, but it didn't. Right. Well, yeah. I still need to watch it. I've not seen Jackie <laughs> Brown either. Don't hold me to that. I might be wrong. <laughs> okay. Well, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. We don't hold ourselves to anything in this podcast because we tend to get a lot of stuff wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just going to go straight out of the gates and say 4.2 out of five. I think it's around a 3.8. I've seen, I'm pretty sure I've seen every Tarantino film, and I think it was my least favourite of all of them. Out of all of them? Because I would not hit late. Top end for me. Not the top top, it's up there though. It's better than the Hateful Eight. That was just a mess. No, it was good. But it, yeah, I'd, I think Hateful Eight and this one were my, definitely my least favourite two. Going by this, I'm. I think you've already told me this off podcast, but just so we've got it there, your favourite one of all Tarantino films is Inglorious Bastards. Yes. I'm kind of torn between that and Pulp Fiction. Mm. I think I need to watch them both to figure out which one it is. I, I like the way that Pulp Fiction's set up, yeah. but I do love the revisionist history of Inglorious Bastards. And I think because it's a revisionist history in this film, and I was sat there the whole time going, she's going to die, she's going to die, she's going to die, and then she didn't. And it went to zero to fucking balls against the wall, 100 in the final 20 minutes. That, for me, made the full film. So that's why I've gone so high. It's not the best one that he's made, but it's up there. But you're, are you sticking with, like, a 3.8? Yeah. Yeah. I think final thoughts completely on this now before we wrap this up. I think if you go into this film and you don't do the research, even if it's just a little bit, you're going to come out and think... That was crap. You're going to come out and think it's a 3 or a 2. I mean, before the 3.8 you just gave, what would you have said it was before I told you about the Sharon Tate stuff? Probably about a 3. Yeah, it's just... It's good because it's Tarantino. It's got like the good aspects of a Tarantino film, but it doesn't quite land if you don't understand what was going on throughout the whole thing. So, our top tip, do some research. Don't need to, you've just told them about the entire film. Well, <laughs> do some more research. Um, and obviously, I'm hoping that some people may have skipped the spoilers and will have come back and listened to this episode after they've watched it to see if they agree with us or not. But if you're just a complete idiot and you've listened to the whole thing, then I, I, no apologies for you. We did say spoilers beforehand. <laughs> shall, we, shall we round this one out? Yes, queen. Transition! And that is this week's first ever be right or proper shite review what did you think i right enjoyed it (laughs) really right good (laughs) would you listen to it no (laughs) you're in it (laughs) don't need to listen to it i've just done it you could relive all of our top moments from episode one (laughs) okay can have a show real show real (laughs) (laughs) Sure, real. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I guess. Um, so yeah. I guess we'll just round this out the same way that we round anything else out. So give us a like and a follow on Twitter. My handle is at the underscore film underscore fella Johnny. Mine is hi honey x. Any context, just in case someone <laughs> hasn't listened to the last episode. <laughs> it's a plug. It's just a plug. He, he does his own music. It's Hi Honey. He's changed his Twitter handle to that. Give it a listen. It's right good. It'd be on the be right section of this be right or shite. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, 
all your other podcast ones. There's one called Podbean. Never used it before, but if you do, we're on there. <laughs> Podbean. Podbean. You probably know that we're on there because you're listening to it on that. But anyway, the RSS feed for this will be in the description. Um, make sure to give us a subscribe, follow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, the star reviews will help with the whole dodgy algorithm that they have. We might find new people that didn't know that people in this area of England made podcasts. <laughs> um you can also find us on Facebook at the Film Fella, where we well at the Film Fella and Friends, where we regurgitate most of the information that we put on our Instagram, which is at the Film Fella. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you fancy sending any questions, if you want us to do one of these be right or proper shite reviews on a film that you like or a film that you think we would get a bit of a kick out of, you can message us on any of those social handles. Or if you want to be nice and old fashioned and a little bit formal, you can email us on the Film filmfellerandfriends at gmail.com time codes for this will be in the description so until next time what are we doing keeping it real keep it real nerd <laughs>